I am inspired by life and most specifically by television. I watch a lot of documentaries and ever since Netflix arrived in town and Amazon Prime, I'm just watching documentaries all the time. Inspiration. You take it where you find it. Designer Ray Pador has transformed TV touchstones into global fashions for a constellation of brands in Antwerp, Paris, New York, and Milan. In some designs, classic shapes like an exquisitely cut black overcoat pop with a dramatically placed sash. Or a cascade of colors scattered across a skirt and top might suggest feathers or raindrops, the attractions of the natural world. Still other Raypador garments come across like loud exclamations, clapping back against constraint and social rules. The guiding principle behind Ray's approach? If it's not surprising, why invest in it? This is Stateside. I'm April Bear. Ray now calls Detroit home after taking a position with the College for Creative Studies, overseeing apparel design as part of the college's fashion design department. Ray Pador, welcome to Stateside. It's so great to have you. Hi, thank you for having me. And welcome to Michigan. Uh, yes, thank you. Thank you, Michiganders slash Michiganians <laughs> for having me. You know, going through some of your recent work, one of the things that I love the most about your designs that you have done for European brands like KV Rose is that they're extremely wearable often a soft-looking uh, look, very accessible, whether it's casual pants or cropped sweaters, some pleasing pastel colors sometimes, but there's always a twist. Yeah. Like, you'll take these pastel separates and add a binding black leather belt right across the chest. Yeah. Are you often thinking about surprises in your designs? Um. Yes. I think there's so much, there's, actually way too much product out there and I devoted myself to want special things not only design special things but also wanting people to have special things and if I just want a simple pink sweater then I think there are enough people that can supply this of course so yes in my personal aesthetic I feel there needs to be surprises some of your more experimental work has a strong sculptural feel to it. Mm -hmm. I have seen designs of yours where a splash of vinyl or a dramatic cutaway just leaps out of a garment made of fabric or fur in a sort of unexpected way. Yeah. Could you take us a bit into your visual process and how the shapes come to you? Um, yeah, sure. Television has always been a huge part of my inspiration process. And my visual study is usually coming from the things that I see, things that people wear, the shapes that are going on within that. And um, I try to usually exaggerate everything. I think it's kind of like a little leftover from the way I was brought up because, yeah, as a Asian person growing up in, in Germany, your parents always tell you to like keep your head down and don't be too loud. And so there was never a real way for me to 
speak a lot and then I put it all into my creative work, basically. Right. You said you're you're a great consumer <laughs> of shows. I wonder, do you have any favorites at the moment? So I uh, I am kind of like a creature of habit. And while I work at home, I can't watch new things. So I kind of always watch old things. So I don't necessarily have to watch it. One of my favorites is always stuff that has a little bit to do with fashion. Like September issue is always a fun thing to watch because it's so overly dramatic. Yeah. And it's kind of like not making sense how dramatic it is. Uh-huh. But my, one of my all-time favorites, it's a German documentary and it's called Wacken. It's like a little town in Germany that hosts a heavy metal deathcore festival and it's kind of they just follow the townspeople or the village people around how they fuse themselves with all these heavy metal people it's not hard to imagine how that would give you a lot to work with (laughs) in terms of ideas yeah i love when things are super visual like it needs to be loud yeah I've seen some more avant-garde things that you've worked on mm-hmm. that involved elements of really punk or or elements of BDSM culture. Mm-hmm. Some designs that actually involve forcing models' mouths into certain positions. Now, I should say this is a big departure from the work that you do in the industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, these, you know, these are more creative processes, mm-hmm. but they just make such an aggressive statement about the relationship between the designer and the wearer. Mm-hmm. What is it like to use that kind of power in a design? Um, I think, I mean, the collection you're referring to was the first time I explored men's fashion because I uh, come from a women's wear background, women's wear tailoring, uh, dressmaking, and predominantly working in women's wear. And that collection was the first time I kind of got into the idea of men's wear. Because I kind of don't have any idea about man slash manswear. I wanted to explore something that feels familiar to me. So I worked with the idea of secrecy and um, homosexuality and the evolution of both things. And it was not necessarily having power over someone. It was more kind of visualizing what has power over me when I think about these things. Mm -hmm. So, Do you mean how queer people are sometimes silenced in their lives? Yes, and they're forced to do and say things they don't believe in because they are kind of not in the position to scream out loud who they are and what they want to be. For sure. The new position that you're coming to at College for Creative Studies puts you at the head of the college's apparel design track. Can you tell us about some fundamental things that you've learned that you think young designers need to know about the industry in 2023 and going forward? Yeah, I think the industry in 2023, or what I want my students to understand, that if you want to work on product, you always have to give it your best. It always needs to be a product that people desire. And for that, 
you need to be able to have not only knowledge in shapes and forms, but you definitely have to learn how to create beautiful pieces and fabricate them also beautifully. Yeah. What I always tell my students about the industry is that it's not an easy industry, that fashion designers have to be kind of everything. They have to be curators, they have to be technical people, they have to be able to promote themselves, they have to be salespeople. Like fashion is quite an exhausting field, but it's definitely, a, for me personally, a good field. So I'm trying to get my students to work like time management wise and also very focused. Yeah. It seems like it's not an easy industry to be master of your own career as well? No, not at all. <laughs> I mean, I think I was fortunate enough that um, I carved my own career out because after I finished with my master's degree, I wasn't so sure that I am a fashion designer. And I tried with my first placement and it was great, but also it didn't feel really authentic to me. So after my first placement, I went back home to Europe. Uh, my first placement was in New York with Marc Jacobs. I went home and I started kind of my own company where I offered design and technical solutions to other brands. When we come back, Ray Pador reflects on the fashion industry post-pandemic and shares a guilty pleasure about a specific piece of apparel that nearly everyone uses. Support for the Stateside Podcast comes from Kalamazoo College, offering a personalized education that combines critical thinking, curiosity, and creativity. Committed to preparing students for meaningful careers that make a positive impact on the world. More at kzoo.edu. Support for Michigan Public's stateside podcast comes from Lake Trust Credit Union, working to empower financial well-being for Michigan consumers, businesses, and communities. Committed to financial solutions and advice to support people and families. More information at laketrust.org. Ray, consumers are starting to wear clothes in a way that they haven't for a couple of years yeah. as the world is is in a different relationship with COVID and the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And from a consumer perspective, it certainly feels like a year of great rebound, you know, people, you know, buying buying event clothing and, you know, party clothes for the first time and many, many other things about workplace attire that have just have not existed at all for a couple of years. Yeah. Is that the way it also feels like in the industry? Um, I mean, the industry tried, I feel like, to keep the fantasy up. They had more wearable lines coming out, more wearable pieces, which were also selling more and more. Best example, I think, is the tracksuit. And Gucci, for example, made quite a lot of tracksuits, but uh, they were kind of chic. They had um, 
kind of this idea of glamour, but still during COVID or during the height of uh, lockdowns, I mean, the tracksuit was kind of the thing to wear. I'm happy to see that people are getting more courageous again to buy more exciting things and also that the industry is like kind of getting a little bit of balance again between to a leisure wear and ready to wear. Personally, I really missed structured pants during 2020 and 2021. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad <laughs> that we're <laughs> if I never wear another pair of soft pants again, it'll be it'll be too soon probably. Mm-hmm. Um, but you 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 gave us a hint of this, but does the high demand that consumers have right now then does that mean some different things from a design perspective that people yes you know might be willing to go after some bolder choices or a wider variety of looks yeah i think so i think now uh, people try to recreate their look again because the look kind of suffered during these days like uh, now people feel more inclined to think about what pants am I wearing and what kind of shoes am I wearing? Because with Zoom calls and work from home, like the only thing that needed to be up to date is uh, the top portion of your body. So now I feel like uh, the lower regions with shoes and pants is getting a little bit more attention again, I feel. But in terms of style, I mean, do you see the big brands maybe trying to, I guess, go big in terms of what they're trying to get people interested in? I think, I mean, the thing with fashion is you always have to give people an idea of familiarity. Oh, God, I hope I pronounced this right. You did. Uh, Things need to feel and look a little bit familiar. And that's how consumers react to a new product. So I think the shapes that we are looking at right now, they still feel a little bit slouchy, but they're definitely more elevated. Like things are getting, when they're oversized, maybe it's not necessarily a jersey anymore, but maybe a more structured material or a bolder print or with an embroidery or something. But I think the more and more we advance, and I hope, uh, knock on wood and touch gold, that uh, COVID at one point is fully mended or gone. I think that slouchy look will also, will still be there, but it will be less within a collection. Yeah. The college historically has had a focus on accessory work. Mm -hmm. Does anything in particular interest you in that space? Oh, God. For me, shoes. Shoes, shoes, (laughs) shoes. Uh, I mean, who doesn't? Right. Um, I love shoes. I don't think I could make shoes or design shoes because I think the surface for me is a little bit limiting. But I also think I wouldn't be good at that, but um, there are better people who can design much better shoes. But uh, I love the idea of uh, shoes for me because, I mean, personally, I went to different stages of like uh, my body, like uh, from skinny to bigger to moderate to now where I am right now, which is perfectly great. But shoes always fit. So I have a deep <laughs> shoes. Right. How many pairs do you have? Uh, uh, well, um, okay. So I, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I think I have 
40 or 50. <laughs> oh, that's okay. That's not bad, really, I think. I just recently bought a pair, like, yesterday. No, the day before yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have some favorite labels that, that really get your attention? Yes, there's one brand in New York. Uh, they are called Syro. And it's a queer collective and they make femme styles for queer boys. So it's like a heel, a block heel there or a platform. They're super exuberant and uh, like the price is really nice. And uh, I support small businesses. Oh, these are fabulous. They do a lot of platform heels. Yes. Beautiful. And um, uh, uh, Billy Porter was wearing a pair and uh-huh. uh, Christopher Rogers. And I mean, they're just, I they're great shoes. And I have quite some of them. And like I said, I just ordered a new pair. Now I can't wait to see you out and around. <laughs> I'm going to look straight at your feet before I say hello to you. Exactly. <laughs> well, you know, there are a lot of creatives who, as, the, as they sit down to work, they have to think about how their work will be received in the country where they are, but also in other countries. Mm-hmm. Is that something that you'll be talking to students about? Yes, that is the m- most important. Uh, that's kind of my vision that I have for the department, because um, good schools, good students, and good fashion designers come from places they believe in. And I believe that students in the beginning need to learn local, then venture out nationally, and then internationally. Because in my opinion, if you know where you're from and uh, if you know where your roots are, um, you create product that is fully dear to you and the people that surround you. And in a world, yeah, in a world where there's so much product, the best things are the ones that are truly authentic and create a narrative not only for the designer, but also for the place it's from. Ray Pador is leading the new apparel design edition to fashion at College for Creative Studies in Detroit. Ray, it's such a pleasure. Thank you very much for talking to us about your work. No, thank you for having me. I hope uh, the radio people love what I have to say and come visit us at uh, CCS. For sure. That's the Stateside Podcast for today. I'm April Bear. You can find full episodes of our broadcast show available to stream anytime you're ready for more listens. The address is michiganradio.org. Today's podcast was produced by Mike Blank. Other producers on our show are Ronia Kavansag, Mercedes Mejia, and April Van Buren. Our podcast editor is Rachel Ishikawa. Our executive producer is Laura Weber Davis. Music for the pod comes from Blue Dot Sessions. Hey, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.
Hi, I'm Rebecca Williams. I'm Lester Graham. We've been working on a big project about Great Lakes birds called the Bird Connection. It will look at ducks and trumpeter swans. Egrets and herons. And piping plovers. Yes! We'll discuss what we've discovered at a Michigan Public Issues and Ale event. Including how some problems for birds are problems for people. It's at Arbor Brewing Company in Ypsilanti the evening of May 21st at 7. You can register at michiganpublic.org.